Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hello, hello, Merry Christmas to all of you, Happy Hanukkah to all of you, Happy New Year's to all of you. It is me, your host, Nick. It is time for Nick's Nerd New Year, the fifth edition. Um, we're we're recording a couple days early just because of the way the, the the days of the year work this year. Um, hope you guys had a good good holiday. Uh, we're in the middle. I'm in the middle of my work's holiday break. Uh, of course, the new year begins in just a few short days. Um, on Monday, to be exact, will be, or Sunday, sorry, looking at the calendar wrong, Sunday will be the first day of 2023, and uh, of course, means we've gone around the sun just in another year, as we all march on to the inevitable future that lies ahead, um, but as always, we do a, a year in review, I, I guess you could say, Um We've had ups, we've had downs, it's been a wild ride in 2022. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to 2023, of course. Um, we'll, we'll do a, uh, next week we'll do a what's, what's ahead, right? Um, and what I'm looking forward to. This week is about retrospection, reflection, looking back. Um, happy Festivus. To those of you who celebrate, that was last week as well. Almost forgot that one. But um, yeah, let's uh, let let's see what would happen. You know, I I don't have a lot of non stuff to talk about just because this is a weird week with um, with a lot not a lot of news going on because a lot of people are on holiday vacation, right? So obviously there's nothing new to talk about. So that's why we reflect. That's why we talk about the the best of 2022. I had a big year personally. I, I know I don't talk about that a lot on the show, but that's that's not what you're here for, right? <laughs> no, um, it's been good. There's been some good movies, some good games, um, some not so good games. I, you know, I normally try to have a, a top ten list um, for everything for you. I didn't even buy. 10 video games this year. That's what kind of year it was. Um, I can't promise that the video game, new video games will be at the same level they were for me um, next year. Uh, just some things going on, so I, I can't promise that. Um, nothing wrong with that, though. Um, and I am hoping to, you know... I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to try and uh, get some of these games free, though, right? <laughs> like every every reviewer does, uh, for the most part. That's not that's not really uh, not really important, though. Um, movies, of course, will continue at a healthy pace next year. TV. Every year, and, and every few months, I have this conversation. Do I phase it out? Do I phase it in? Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a tough call. And I, I know 
it seems like there's always a lot of nerd shit going on on TV. And sometimes it feels like there isn't a lot of nerd shit going on TV. Like there's no Marvel, Star Wars, or like comic stuff right now. Um, which is weird. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch Jack Ryan, but that's not exactly the, the most nerdiest thing, even though it is Tom Clancy, right? It's a different kind of nerd, <laughs> if, if you will. But I, but I digress, right? I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting year. I still haven't gone to see Avatar yet. Um, hope, hopefully, hopefully this week. Uh, it's already crossed a billion dollars globally, which is in, insane that it can do it in, what, two weeks? I mean, is that how fast we're reaching a billion dollars now? Um, I did watch Glass Onion, which I loved. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little later when I do my top ten for movies, because I literally watched it yesterday, and it was in my top ten for the year, which is, which is wild, if you really think about it. Um, and uh, I've been really meaning to get into High on Life, and just this week I've been sucked into God of War, of all things. Um, I'm just apparently deciding to do every side quest in God of War, but that's because it's fun. It's actually worth, um, it's worth playing the side quests. It's, it's fun. It's engaging. There's a whole, like, open world area that, that's optional that I got sucked into that I don't even need to play, but it's that fun. It's that much fun. Uh, today also would have been Stan Lee's 100th birthday, um, so Disney didn't, or Marvel, I should say, announced that they will be airing a new documentary about Stan Lee on Disney Plus in the new year, so that's something to look forward to. Uh, I think the first big game of the year will be Hogwarts Legacy, but again, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, and let's, uh, let's jump into it, right? I don't want to waste any time today. Everyone's celebrating the holidays. Everyone's enjoying their time off. So I, I uh, will obviously expound upon each thing as I talk about it in, in the top tens with an asterisk. Um, so without further ado, my top ten for video games this year. Yes, I obviously didn't play ten games, so there's an asterisk there. There's only nine. There's really only nine. And, and I have nothing to say. Just there weren't that many games I was interested in. I didn't even finish some of the games I, I played this year. Um, it's just, you know, time. Time is hard, and gaming fills up a lot of time and things like that. Now, there's other games I wanted to play, and I'm sure High on Life could easily break into the, the top ten if I had played it just based on the, the stuff I see online alone. But but again, I, it's, it's not uh, always possible. So we'll start from the bottom up, and uh, we'll end with the, the number one spot. Uh, at nine, I put Gotham Knights, mainly because I, I had so much like anticipation for this game, and maybe that's on me for, for putting that bar so high. Uh, but Gotham Knights, man, such a disappointment. Such a big disappointment. It's not even a matter of, of like, if it, it's not fun to begin with. Um, it doesn't even come close to Arkham in terms of combat, ease of, uh, like, fluidness, story-wise. And, like, yes, I know everyone's going to compare it to Arkham, but the Arkham games are, like, the pinnacle of Batman games, right? So, 
there's there's a reason why it gets compared to that. And maybe it's unfair. I, I don't know. But it's WB Montreal who made Arkham Origins, which not the best Arkham game, but it is an Arkham game and it, it fit filled that that uh, uh, it, it lived in that universe. So they know they knew what they were doing, WB Montreal, but they they ultimately still failed in execution in Gotham Knights. Um, the costumes are kind of lame. It's very generic in a lot of places. The, they fuck around with the mythos almost on the same level as the Nolan films. It, it's just not... It's not fun. Just not fun. Uh, at number 8, I've Madden 23. Mainly because I did play a full season. So I did play the game. Uh, it, it just, it's broken. The interception, The amount of interceptions in this game is is unreal right it it i don't know if they fixed it because i haven't even bothered to go back since then but it's like when you're playing when you're throwing interception on almost every play when the defender isn't even nearby there's a problem there is a serious problem at number seven i have 2k23 so nba 2k23 um the reason i put it so low is is because it's I don't like the open world city part of the game. It's it's fucking broken, to be honest. It, it's it's laggy and buggy, um, and the game is over dependent on online play. Like, what happened to the NBA two K games where it was just like you and your homies playing? Like, I get it. Like, not everyone comes over anymore. But like, my a serious question is like for real what happened to like not focusing so much on playing online against other people and you have to be part of like the leagues or or things for like achievements and shit and i'm just like this is bullshit like i'm not first off i'm not that good and i don't have time to commit to become that good for people not to kick me out of their games like i don't like that i don't and then with Jordan moments, I, I bought it because it was it brought Jordan back again. Like Jordan moments, I get they're not supposed to be easy, but they're not supposed to be so hard that even someone who like doesn't really play should have that much trouble with them. Um, I don't like the new shooting mechanic either. It's fucking broken. It, it's, it's ridiculous because even if you get in the green, you still miss. Like what's that about? I get it's supposed to be more realistic, but it's not fun that way. And there's no way to change it from what I've seen. So that's why NBA is so far down the list. At number six, I have uh, Pokemon Scarlet. Uh, the reason I I have it still in my top ten is because b despite its technical issues, and I've said this before, it's it's still fun. It's, it's the full realization of a Pokemon game that people have been wanting for the last 25 years. I mean, we're at the 25th anniversary, right? I, it it it's it's frustrating because that the the amount of money and stuff that Nintendo has, but but Game Freak still like struggled apparently. I I, I don't understand. Um, it's also limitations of the Switch though at the same time. So definitely a double edged sword. I finally got to play it in undocked mode, and oh god, it's even rougher on when you're playing in handheld mode on the Switch. It's it's. But, but I'm still having a lot of fun. I'm only catching the new Pokemon. 
uh, just doing a run that way, and then I'll beef up the national decks or whatever you want to call it in the game. Um, but I'm, I'm having fun with it still, and I'm, I'm doing every... Um, because you can do all the paths at once, I'm doing them all at once, and it's fun that way. It's more than just the gyms, and I appreciate that they're doing that. It's just they need to figure out a way to do all that with, you know not the graphical limitations that they're facing or be able to put all the Pokemon in. I think they can. I think they're just, they're struggling with other things. Um, and, and if it brings us that much closer to what I think would be a, a game changer would be a Pokemon, open world Pokemon game with all the regions. I think it's doable. Maybe not on a Switch, but I, I think it's doable. And I hope we get that one day. Uh, number five, we have Pokemon Legends Arceus. yes. Another Pokemon game. And yes, Arceus, uh, again, it had its limitations, but it was fun as hell by the time I finished. Uh, it, it was different. For the first time, the Pokemon, the mainline Pokemon games went diff in a different way, and it worked. And obviously, a lot of things that came from Arceus went into Scarlet and Violet. Um, they, they both built off of um, things that came in Sword and Shield a few years ago. And, and Arceus this year, and, and Arceus was fun, and in the beginning, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be fun, but towards the end, I enjoyed it very much, and the story was interesting, um, and I think m more of Arceus stuff should have been in Scarlet and Violet. I do appreciate that now, if you don't learn a move or miss a move, you can always go back and get it. I like the new evolution tactics that they added, um, there was a lot of things that that I hope they continue to build upon in the franchise, and I hope we get another Legends game set in a different region in the past. I, I think that would be fun. Uh, number four, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Uh, while I haven't sunk as much time into Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer as I did in the first game in Warzone, I loved the campaign in this one. It was short, um, but it was a good campaign. I know there were people complaining about its, its length, uh, but it was fun. It was different. And um, still keeping the same flavor, though, as as the, the original Modern Warfare trilogy, which I think is funny, you know, going into favelas and, and things like this. Um, but I do hope uh, that whatever Call of Duty is next, which isn't in 2023, the first break from Call of Duty in, in a very long time, um, we'll see, though... We'll see where the franchise goes. I do need to try Warzone 2.0. I haven't uh, put any time into that since it launched, so I'm hoping in the next few weeks I'll get more into that. At number three, I have Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga because I it, it because of how pretty it was, and it was fun going back and playing a lot of things in, in new ways that were different from when the original games came out. Plus, we had the added benefit of the sequel trilogy. They added The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, now, I do wish they had a little more space battles or things like that, like they did in the Clone Wars game. Um, the Lego Clone Wars game. But, again, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is the, like, the full realization of, of Lego Star Wars. Um, they added more and more things. Uh, I do wish the Clone Wars gets that, that like, remaster, like, beautiful treatment that the rest of the games did because of how 
amazing everything looked. Like I said, it was gorgeous. <laughs> Game was very pretty to look at and play. Um, I haven't gone back to play with some of the newer characters yet, but it was a very fun game, very good look, good to look at. Uh, number two, you might be surprised I have this at number two, but God of War Ragnarok is number two, despite all the time I've been putting into it lately. Um, there are issues I have with it in terms of the there's difficulty spikes in random places, and even from like things that should be easy to fight, but they're not, and it's a, it's a little infuriating sometimes. Uh, it it has kind of gone a little closer to Souls games where dodging and parrying is a lot more required than than in the last game. Um, the story is very very good, and I do like. There's there's a reason that it won you know best acting right with Christopher Judge as, as Kratos, and boy, what was he calls Atreus, but the game's big too now now that I get deeper and deeper into it, I but I I love it I don't get me wrong it it it's number two, and it would only be number two because of the other game that's going to be number one and I I'm sure you're not surprised by what's number one but. It, it's it's very fun. It, it's a little more complicated, though, in terms of, like, builds in regards to what runes you want, what runic attacks you want, what armor you're wearing. It, it is a lot more RPG-focused, and I like that. And I need to spend a little more time at reading the different things other than just how it affects my stats because I've been doing that a little too much. I think that's part of the reason I, I might be struggling in, in some places where I shouldn't be. Um, my other issues are in terms of like, and they're small, minor issues, like you can do your power move, but you're also receiving damage at the same time, which is kind of bullshit. Cause you can't get, you can't block when you're in that. I don't like that. You can't like get out of a dodge and block right away. So it's, it's pointless to dodge at that point, but they're minor grievances, but God of War Ragnarok is great. Um, if there's a third game in the Norse mythology i'll be surprised actually um i think they could go somewhere else personally but if they do do a third game i i would figure it'd be called like valhalla or something like that obviously i think atreus will have a bigger uh bigger part in a potential third game in the norse mythology um, i don't want to call it a trilogy because obviously ragnarok is god of war five so it would be a potential God of War 6 that we're talking about here. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Ragnarok, which if you haven't played Ragnarok yet and you do have a PS5, you need to go play it because it's great. Um, my number one game, though, is, of course, if you have a PS5 and you haven't played this game, I don't know what the hell you're doing. But my number one, no surprise, is Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I've been on the record on multiple occasions. This is the game. Well, the first game is why I bought a PS4. Second game is why I bought a PS5. And it's good that I did because the DLC that comes out next year is PS5 exclusive. Um, I love Aloy and her story. I love that world that Aloy lives in. Horizon Forbidden West, Horizon Zero Dawn is the right way to do... I heard someone call it recently, and this is this is an interesting thing, um, because it's like you don't get a lot of these stories. A post 
post-apocalyptic world. Uh, I think Wally would be like the only other thing in that kind of idea where it's you're in a post-apocalypse world, um, but beyond the post-apocalypse world, like it's moved on to a new era. And that that's what the Horizon series is, right? There was the apocalypse, and then there was like a thousand years of nothing, and then you live in the world that Aloy lives in with the machines trying to like re-terraform the planet. Um, and you get to see places uh, after the fact, right? And what they, they've devolved into, I guess is a better way to describe it. Um, it it's, I just have so much fun that the, the, the robot designs are great. Um, I don't want to say creatures cause they're robots, the weapon play is is fun and smooth. Like, how many people would, like, stand up and say, oh, I love bow and arrow games? Like, no. that That's not a mechanic in, in a lot of games that people enjoy. Like, I, I hate playing as Atreus in God of War Ragnarok. I'll say that. Um, that's probably why it's number two. But no, the, the, the bow gameplay in, um, in Horizon Forbidden West is so amazingly smooth. It builds off the first one. I love the new Tremor Tusk machines. I love some of the other new machines they added. It it, it allowed for more um, explorability. I like that now that you can fly around on a machine. It it It's just... They did so much to expand on the first game. And I hope... I hope we do get a third game. Because... A... The second one's set up for it. But also because I just want play around in that world more and see all the different machines. I honestly would be fine if this is like one of those forever franchises. I'd be perfectly fine with that because there's so many different places you could go to. And you don't even have to always follow Aloy either. So if we get like five or six games out of that franchise, I'll be perfectly fine with it as long as it doesn't get stale. But that's that's my top nine for gaming in 2022. Um some franchises returned, some franchises were, actually they're all returns of franchises, um, except one tried to start and failed. I, I only really put it on my top nine because it's one of the only nine new games I played. Um, I mean, technically you could put my new um, Analog Pocket in there, but it's not a game, it's a um an analog to a Game Boy, right? <laughs> um, but no, that that's uh, that's it for that. Um, my next list is TV, and, and this is literally the hardest top ten I've had to make in a long time because there were so many great new shows that premiered this year, and I really struggled. I really did, and I had to leave things off that I enjoyed because of how good things were like it it it's it's crazy it, it was one of the best years for tv in my opinion um so again we'll start at the bottom um before i do though i a show i left off last year because i think i only started watching it this year but ghosts on cbs it's a remake of a british comedy about a girl who like has a near-death experience and then can see the ghosts living in her house um and she interacts with them, and they're all from all different eras. I That show's hilarious to me. Um, I hope it keeps going. It seems to be very popular. 
Uh, it's a, I didn't get to put it on last year's list. I don't get to put it on this year's list because it's not a show from this year. But it is a show that is very, very good. Um, it's a good comedy. And uh, those are kind of rare on regular TV these days. Um, but let's, uh, let's start with, with the bottom here. Uh, Book of Boba Fett. And I know a lot of people didn't like this show. I very much enjoyed the show. I loved seeing Tamura, and I know Tamura had some issues with with it, but ultimately I think it worked out. The final episode was great. I liked seeing Black Kersantan come in to live action from the comics. I enjoyed seeing Boba come back into the new canon. Um, his, his status as alive after Return of the Jedi had kind of been up in the air since 2015. Um, so it was great to see his return. I personally don't necessarily like the new paint job. Um, it's like too green compared to what it was in the old canon. Um, but that's fine with me. It's, it's still Beskar. We confirmation he's a Mandalorian. I know George had started to muddle with that in the past. Um, I very much enjoy the story they told in um, the Book of Boba Fett. And I, I I don't know if it'll get a second season. Um, I know people are like, oh, Disney knew it would suck, so that's why they put two episodes with the Mando. Like, no, that was pre-planned. Like, you, that's not something you you add in at the last second, right? Like, that, that was part of the story to tell. Um and Mando's and Boba's stories are intertwined. They're both Mandalorians. Uh, do I wish... I think Boba's going to be in Season 3 of Mando. I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, do I wish we get more of him with more huts and things like that in a potential second season? Of course. Uh, but, again, it all comes down to what happens, ultimately. At number 9, I have Halo. And, as you guys know... Like, I, the Halo show, if it existed in a vacuum, it'd probably be a good show. If, but me being a big, big, big Halo fan, and very much deep in the Halo lore, I have issues with this show for other reasons. But, but, it looked like Halo, and that's more important than anything. Um... The Brutes looked a little strange, but Elites and Prophets looked damn near perfect. Um, Master Chief looked great. Cortana looked more like the weapon than, than the Cortana from that time period in the Halo universe. But, but it was, like I said, if it had existed in a vacuum, it'd be a perfectly fine show. But because it's, it's, an adaptation it and they're like well we're not following the games so they they have like an excuse to do whatever they did um and the, i just hope with a new showrunner in season two we get a little bit closer to what it should have been um at number eight i have obi-wan kenobi um because Again, I know people didn't like this show, but I think it was great. The character development in it was amazing. Uh, the actress they got to play a young Leia was 
perfect <laughs> in terms of like sass um, would have made Carrie Fisher proud. And the fact that we got to see Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader and, and Anakin again was was great. The fight between Anakin and, and or Anakin between Darth Vader and, and Obi-Wan in the last episode was something I think we've all been waiting for for a long time. It was while it, it was new to the canon and unexpected, it was a great addition and it was it was beautiful to see on screen. Um, and just those two interacting again was was something to behold. Um, at number seven, I have Moon Knight. Moon Knight was fun because it, it, it didn't have to adhere to everything going on in the MCU. And Oscar Isaac playing three, four different characters, no, three, yeah, three different characters was, was whoa. You know, that's not something you see um, all the time. Ethan Hawke was used in a perfect role. Uh, you don't always expect to see Ethan Hawke in, um, in something like that. But it, it was it was definitely something different. And I liked them going like deep into Egyptian mythos. Um, that's not something that the MCU has really gone deep into, and they did it, and it was great. And that's really why I liked Moon Knight a lot. Uh, then She-Hulk at number six. She-Hulk was hilarious. I liked that she broke the wall, pre preparing everyone for Deadpool's eventual uh, inclusion in the MCU. The Kevin episode was great. Uh, I liked Daredevil being reintroduced again after his brief appearance in Spider-Man No Way Home. And... Uh, while we probably won't get a second season, it was fun to have like the MCU's first real sitcom, uh, and it worked. It I really enjoyed the story they were telling and the inclusion of things that actually widened the MCU more than some of the other shows did um, on Disney+. Plus. At number five, I have Rings of Power, um, only because the, the four shows above it were just that much better. Rings of Power exists in this weird place that there's not a whole lot to adapt from other than small sections. So they, they can, they have the luxury of being able to play around just a bit. Um, I had a friend who said it's like fan fiction. <laughs> uh, it's Tolkien fan fiction, which sure, you, you could describe it that way. Um, but it, it's, it's, was very fun to watch. It's very engaging. I, I wish it only. I wish it had more than eight episodes. I also wish I don't have to wait like a year and a half for season two. But it it's fun seeing things in Tolkien lore explained a little bit better than than how they are in the appendices and the Silmarillion because that's nearly impossible to read. Um, but I know it it is a little fast and loose with things. And I really don't ho hope the stranger is Gandalf mainly because it would, it would mess with already established Tolkien lore. And I know they're not trying to do that. So, well, they kind of already are. I don't know. I just hope it's not Gandalf. Um, at number four, I have Star Trek, strange new worlds. This show was something I didn't expect to love. 
the new new Trek is it's good, but it, it hasn't been great uh, other than like lower decks. Strange New Worlds was great. It went back to old episodic Trek, which we haven't had in, in quite a while. Uh, Discovery has been, you know, sto- season-long story arcs. Picard was season-long story arcs. Yes, Lower Decks is episodic, but it's uh, it's not live action, so it's it's different. They can get away with that. Strange New Worlds was feels like what the original trilogy would have been if it was made today and that's why it's great because it it lives in that old the ot tri- or the uh, original series um timeline right and it 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 builds off of what star trek has become since then with next generation deep space 9 and voyager and and enterprise and things like that and it 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 works so well I think everyone was pleasantly surprised by Strange New Worlds, and I cannot wait for season two. I hope we get the introduction of Scotty or Chekhov soon. Um, well, Scotty at, at least. I don't know about Chekhov was new in 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 the original series, which is about ten or so years after this. So it, it'll be fun to see what happens. Um, and the live action lower decks crossover episode with it is probably going to be a highlight for next year but if 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 you're looking to get into star trek i would say maybe start with strange new worlds and from there then go to you know deep space 9 and voyager and uh, the next generation um maybe leave discovery for if you really want to be deep into trek um but Strange New Worlds is definitely a great way to hop into Trek, uh, if you haven't already. Uh, number three, I have Peacemaker. And this was a show I did not expect to like or love and be as fucking good as it was. Uh, James Gunn, obviously, is a, a genius. Um, between the Guardians films and then the Suicide Squad and now... Peacemaker and being in charge of DC, obviously, but this show, first off, John Cena's character, not the most lovable character in the Suicide Squad movie, um, but to see him come in and just be fucking hilarious, and then the guy they got to play Vigilante, just everything about this show was so unexpectedly funny and fun and great. And that is why I thought it's definitely top three. Like, if you haven't watched Peacemaker, you need to watch Peacemaker. And the opening credits themselves are fucking damn near perfect. Oh, God, that show was so funny. So good. And then the Justice League tease at the end, just it was great. It was so great. Very much enjoyed it. Um, number two, I have House of the Dragon, which, ooh, I love me some tension with Rhaenyra and Viserys and, oh, I can't even remember Matt Smith's character now. 
<laughs> uh, it's fun to see Game of Thrones with dragons in almost every episode, right? And it's fun to see an era of Game of Thrones that while about 100, 200 years before the, the regular show, uh, still feels like Game of Thrones. I know a lot of people were put off by season eight. Um, this House of the Dragon feels a lot more like the first few seasons where a lot more political intrigue and political drama, which I love very much. And the war of the, what are they calling it? Um, the Dance of Dragons, right? That's what it's called. I very much cannot wait to see where they go. I know George R. R. Martin has said they probably need at least four seasons, maybe five. Uh, at least we don't need to worry about the showrunners kind of like going off and doing something that's way different because the book is written. It's, it's based on one book. They don't need to um, make up an ending, right? So we, we shouldn't have any danger of them going too far off script. Obviously, some things have to go off script because it's a TV show. You can't, you can't do it perfectly. Um, but House of the Dragon is definitely, definitely a great show, especially if you love Game of Thrones. Don't, don't feel burned by it. Um, definitely check out uh, House of the Dragon. Uh, it sucks we have to wait probably until 2024 for season two, but that's just the nature of these shows nowadays. They're so... Um, post-production heavy that it, it requires a lot of time and I, I I don't think there's any question in in what I have as number one uh, number one I put Andor um, no question right no question in that Andor is probably one of the best TV shows this year um, as I've said and many other people have said it it felt like a HBO show set in Star Wars right it, it felt like an HBO show it was more adult in tone and theme. It, it talked about tough things. It, it showed stuff we've never really seen in Star Wars before. Uh, that Prison Break episode, One Way Out, is, is, is damn near perfection. That last episode is, is you get to see why the Rebellion exists, right? Um... Yes, I'm. I don't want to call myself an empire lover because that can have weird fascist connotations. Um, I just I tend to like the designs of the empire and Darth Vader in general and and things like that. Um, will I root for rebels sometimes? But, but <laughs> it's a weird conversation to be having. But what I very much enjoy is the expounding upon Andor and his, you know, ideology, going from kind of like this just, uh, I guess you could call him a mercenary type guy, not really caring about anything, to really, really being drawn into being one of the Rebellion's staunchest supporters, the one we see in Rogue One. Um, and I, it, it it's interesting to see something like this because... When you know a character's fate, it's hard to have. It's hard to have stakes. Um, this was my issue with with um, Black Widow last year. You know what her fate is, so 
her the stakes are are low for her. Granted, that movie is set very very close to the events of you know um, Endgame and Infinity War, so it's it's, it's a lot closer. Whereas uh, Andor is about five or six years before Rogue One. Um, I think it's actually even longer, if I remember correctly. But it's there's there's still stakes because other people are involved that are building to this. Like, where how do we go from this this guy who really doesn't give a shit? To someone who fights for the rebellion more than anyone, so there's there's different stakes to be had. I guess it's what where's that growth? Where's that that switch flip? Um, is that the right word? I don't know, but that that's why Andor is is so good because it handles telling a story about someone whose fate you already know in a way that works, that makes sense, that that builds upon what we already know. Black Widow didn't do that. It was just a spectacle. Um, But that is my top 10 TV shows for the year. Like I said, it was was hard. It was hard. There were other shows that I didn't know where to put. Um, You know, you had Winning Time uh, about the Lakers. You had The Sandman. Great show, but kind of slow. There, there was Tales of the Jedi. I don't, maybe don't really count that because it, it's like a anthology show and it's not, it, I think it might be a one-off. Um, National Treasure Edge of History just started. It's, it's got, it needs some work, but it's, it's there. Uh, the offer, you know, a lot of it's fiction, <laughs> but it was fun to watch. And then of course you have Miss Marvel, again, doing a lot with, what's going on in the MCU. But I don't know if it made the top 10 for me. Um, so let's now talk about movies. Um, again, I, I hope to see Avatar next this week. Uh, my top five was easy to nail down for this. You'll be surprised at what my number two is. But the the bottom five, that was hard because all of them were good, but they weren't like knockout punches amazing. Whereas my top five, to me, were. Um, so let's, uh, again, we'll start at the bottom and we'll go from there. So in the number 10 spot, I have Death on the Nile, uh, the Agatha Christie or based on the Agatha Christie book starring Her- Hercule Poirot. Um, that's two mystery uh, movies I, I have on the, on the docket today. Um, it was not as good as the first one, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, but it was still a good movie. Um, I do enjoy Kenneth Branagh's take on the Agatha Christie series. Um, there is a third one in development. I, I am happy to hear that. Um, it's definitely an interesting, it, it's fun to live in those times where it was a lot harder to solve crimes, you know, in, in the, the early 1900s. So I, I very much enjoy that time period. 
when they portray it properly on screen. Um, at least uh, without being derivative and uh, inappropriate in ways of showing the bigotry and shit from back then. So I, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy the movie very much. Um, like I said, it was, it was hard to quantify the, the, the second half of the top five, like the, the, the bottom five, the top five, hundred percent, the bottom five. It's like, uh, I like this movie and I like that movie. And I, I don't know if I want to put it so low and things like that. So, um, definitely have number 10 as death on the Nile. At number nine, I have Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's, I liked the movie, but I didn't like it as much as the first one. I think it, it failed in a couple of places in terms of telling a great story. I like that they introduced uh, Namor um, into the wider MCU. I, I just, I don't. In general, though, I just I didn't like the film as much as the first one. It 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 was fun. It 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 served a purpose, but it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting. And then the story that Ryan Coogler put out that he would have told if Chadwick was still alive. Not exactly a fan of that story either. And I I think they kind of got lost in what story they were going to tell about. In, in a Black Panther 2 after Endgame. And I, I think it just... it I, I don't know. I, it, it didn't work all the way for me. It was too dark, too. Like, Aquaman filmed underwater scenes perfectly fine. And everything was lit up and bright. In Black Panther, when they go to Tlalo Khan... Like, I could barely see anything. And I get it. The ocean's dark. Um, but it just... I was like... This is cool, but I want more. I want to see more. And I it just it didn't work all the way for me. And and maybe we'll get more no more. Maybe we'll get Shuri as as Black Panther moving forward. I'm fine with all that. It's just Wakanda Forever could have been a lot better. Uh number eight, I have Bullet Train, which is a movie I thoroughly enjoy and did not expect to enjoy so much. The action is damn near perfect. The the soundtrack is great. The story is fun. It's it's it. I love Tangerine and Lemonade in a way I would not expect to enjoy characters like that. Brad Pitt is is phenomenal in it. It definitely is a movie more people should watch. It's on Netflix. I think it's on Peacock. It's it's on quite a few different services. Um, it is just, it's a fun movie for being, for as graphic and violent as, as it is, it's still a very fun movie. It's like, it's like John Wick if it was funny. Um, it's just a fun movie to watch and enjoy. At number seven, uh, I have Jurassic World Dominion. And this movie, again, could have been better. Uh, I still have it in my top ten because it, it, Yes, it felt like two movies, and I said this, but what I enjoyed about it the most is each of those two different movies was fine, right? To, together, confusing, but what I enjoyed a lot was the return of the original cast, 
and them interacting with the new cast. As as short as it was, it was fun. But but there was more to be desired, and I I just I don't know. Uh, at number six, I have Jackass Forever, and you're probably wondering, Nick, you have Jackass Forever on your top ten list for movies? I do, because it was great. It was hilarious. Um, obviously, it's their final send-off, uh, and I, I mentioned how it felt weird without Bam in it, but it, it was just it was a fun movie, uh, and I know we're probably not getting another one, but it, it if there was one way to send them off, that was it. It was definitely Jackass Forever. Uh, and number five, I have Top Gun Maverick, which I'm sure a lot of people consider their best movie of the year. I know you're screaming at me right now, Mark, because I'm not putting it as my number one. But uh, it, it was a good movie. And I, I've said, I, I personally don't care for the first film. Um, the second one was great. It was an amazing action movie. I don't really like the last what, 15 minutes, because it kind of turns into uh, A New Hope, and then like generic buddy action comedy, and and felt really out of place compared to the rest of the movie, but nonetheless, it was a good movie, one of the highest grossing films of the year, of the decade, I think, Tom Cruise killed it as always, so, you know, Top Gun Maverick, top five, rounding out the top five. Uh, number four, I have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And you're probably going, wait, what? You have Doctor Strange above Wakanda forever? Yes, yes I do. And for a couple of reasons. One, it brought out the multiverse in the MCU officially. We got uh, a ton of fan castings, including um, John Krasinski as, as Mr. Fantastic. Charles Xavier returned to the Marvel Universe, played by Jon Stewart. John Stewart, Patrick Stewart, Jesus Christ, <laughs> watching too much old Daily Show, I guess. Um, no, Patrick Stewart returned to play Charles Xavier at least one more time. We don't know if there could be more. Uh, you know, we got Captain Carter in real life, in live action form. We we saw multiple Doctor Stranges. Uh, Anson Mount returned as Black Bolt from the failed Inhumans television show. It just. I very much enjoy that film, and seeing Wanda go ham on everyone was also very great to see. I'm happy to hear that I don't think Wanda isn't completely gone from the MCU. I don't think they'd... You know, when when a character dies, in air quotation marks, off screen, they never really truly die, unless you're Stannis Baratheon. (laughs) So, Stannis the Manus... But Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness my number four. Number three is Glass Onion. And this is where we come to the second mystery movie on the list. I, I had the pleasure of watching Glass Onion last night. I know some people are saying it's better than the original. I, um, a sequel to Knives Out, of course. Would I put it better than the original? Maybe not. Do I think it's still a great movie? It's probably like next to the original i i very much enjoyed glass onion it's it's very different from knives out and the way it plays out is not the way you would expect it to play out so i very much enjoy um 
very, very much enjoy Glass Onion. Um, very di Like I said, it's different from the first one. The cast is amazing. Underutilized Ethan Hawke, though. But Dave Bautista, great as always. Uh, Janelle Monet, who I think needs to be in more movies, really should be in more movies, and she gets to shine in this film. Um, and even... Uh, who was it? Um... I mean, we all know Leslie Odom Jr. is a good actor, but oh, who was the person? Um, why can't, Edward Norton. I don't know why I couldn't think of Edward Norton. You know, Edward Norton doesn't get to play like a villain like that often. And <laughs> in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. That was a great line that I did not expect to play out the way it did. Um <laughs> Just, it's a great movie overall in an alternate universe. Catherine Hahn is good. I think she was underutilized as well. Uh, Dave Bautista, though, really got to shine. And I, I hope he gets more grown-up roles uh, after this. I mean, I, he's yes, he's been in Guardians and things like this. But I mean, like, movies that aren't like other wrestlers turned actor movies where they, like, get paired up with a kid for a whole movie. Because um, he did a movie like that recently. So... I, I just, I am going to sing the praises of Glass Onion, as I always will, of Ryan Johnson. Glass Onion and Knives Out are great movies. Uh, moving on, here's, here's the number two that I think will shock everyone listening. I have Clerks 3 at number two. And I don't know if it's because, you know, Kevin James was there to introduce the movie to all of us and talk about, like, his process in making the movie i don't know if it's because it, it just is is the culmination of the clerk's story told in a way that i don't think anyone ever expected it to ever go i don't know if it's because it's actually just a really good movie i just I, clerks three first off i haven't laughed that hard in a movie in in a while. Um, yes, it's 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 touching. Yes, it's moving and and full of just like pure Kevin Smith joy and love and and respect for his characters. I I so much thoroughly enjoyed Clerks Three on a level that I don't think I ever expected to. And that's the reason I th I have it at my number two. It it just it it blew my mind in ways like I said I did not expect it to. And then in my number one, my number one movie for 2022, The Batman. And I put it there because a it's my number one movie of the year. I thought it was one of is the second best Batman movie to me uh robert pattinson did great as batman not so much as bruce wayne it was he was kind of i was gonna say broody i'm like you want batman to be broody i think he was a little too angsty um and the overall tone of the film was perfect the action was perfect and it, it fit the batman mythos in a way that the the nolan films never did and 
I don't like that they brought in the Joker. And don't get me wrong, I, the Joker's one of one of my favorite Batman villains. I just my issue with it is you don't need the Joker to be in every Batman movie. You don't need the Joker to be successful. You 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 don't. Um, and it's it's. I hope they don't go with the Joker in the sequel. I I Matt Reeves killed it. Uh, he got the the look and feel of Gotham in a way that Nolan never did. Uh, a, a very very evocative of, of Tim Burton's Batman's, which you all know I love very very much. Um, the 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 Nolan films just they always felt like they were just in Chicago or New York, right? They didn't feel like Gotham. That's the one thing I very much enjoyed about the Batman is it it felt like Gotham. It didn't feel like a normal city. Um, and Andy Serkis was was a good Alfred. Um, Colin Farrell was nailed it as the Penguin. I cannot wait for his show as the Penguin. Like I just everything about the Batman is what I wanted for a grounded take on Batman, where it wasn't gonna go the supernatural route per se, because obviously you can't always go full supernatural, but you can't go like so grounded that you can't even do villains justice right like the the way bane was handled in 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 the dark knight rises it just it was like no what no no so when they bring in villains and they're grounded but they're still like over the top and and cartoonish in a way without going too like golden age style then it's it's like perfect and i think that's why i love the batman so much and that's why i have it as my number one like there's no question in what was going to be the number one movie of the year for me. I it it it, it wasn't even a question. Um, but yeah, those are my top top tens and a top nine for 2022 Nixner News Edition. Uh, I'm happy you guys could could listen in week in week out. I'm I'm happy you guys stopped by week in week out. We're at episode. This is 242. Technically, we're in. December, it's the 28th, 2023 is three days away, like, it's, it's wild, it's wild to me, and next year looks like we're gonna get even better movies, so there's no question that 2023 is gonna be a great year, great movies, great games, whole lot of greats in 2023, I, uh, am looking forward to sharing all that with you, I will before we go, uh, almost ended the show there. <laughs> no, before we go, always remember to, hey, check out nixnernews.com. That way you guys can listen to the show right there in your browser. Or if you prefer, you can find links to our, our pages so you can listen to us on the go. You know, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. Like, it, we're everywhere. There's no place you can't listen to Nixner News. And uh, while you're there, check out the social media tab or just search Nixner News on your preferred social media platform of choice. Uh, hopefully some, some new things going to happen with the channel. The channel, it's not really a channel. <laughs> I watch too much YouTube. Uh, hopefully some new things coming on with, with the podcast in 2023. Um, other than that, I will catch you guys on the flip side in the new year. <laughs>